motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so excited to be here with our guest today, Avril Ewing. Avril is an ordained wedding officiant and celebrant who specializes in creating romantic and heartfelt wedding ceremonies for couples who are ready to take that next step in their lives together. She also coaches couples as they plan their weddings and coaches officiants who want to grow their business and crush their yearly goals. At the start of 2020, Avril started the year with a record number of bookings. In March, things all came crashing down. She watched her industry and business get wiped out and felt the devastating loss. At the same time, she was steering her 12-year-old son through all of the uncertainty, online school, missing his grade six graduation, school trips, and friends. However, a simple shift in mindset from panic to calm created a roadmap that Avril used to guide both her family and her business to success. Thank you so much for joining me, Avril. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I'm looking forward to our conversation as well. Now, where I wanted to start is obviously the juggle of motherhood and work is challenging at the best of times. And then we add in a global pandemic. So I'm curious as to what strategies have helped you to navigate this time successfully for you, your family, and your business? That's such a great question because I think a lot of us have implemented strategies without even realizing it. And humans are very adaptable. So I, we've, we've kind of gotten used to this a bit, maybe. Like we just go with the flow and whatever happens next happens. But I had really sunk quite low at the start. My birthday, my 49th birthday, was 12 days into our first lockdown. So that was a pretty significant birthday for me because it was the last birthday of my 40s and I was going to have a big splashy night out and my husband had tickets for a concert I had really wanted to see. And so all of these things were getting canceled one by one. And I'm going to be 50 in less than two months. So it's it's not looking much better, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> a lot of people don't make it to 50, so I'm grateful for that. And uh, I'm grateful to sit here and tell this story about turning 49 and 50 in a pandemic. So, But what really happened mostly is that my couples were suddenly in a massive panic because nobody knew what was going on. March 2020 is very different than where we're at now. Now we know what's what. We know how to do this. But at the time, nobody knew anything. So my days revolved around getting dozens of weddings moved to 2021, which were still in limbo. We're still in uncertainty over that. And at the same time, I was dealing with couples who had just gotten engaged and wanted to book for 2020 and 2021, 
well, we had no idea what was going on. And it was a gong show. I mean, it was crazy. I cried a lot <laughs> just from the stress of it all. And it was really super hard to navigate as a solopreneur while I watched my industry go up in flames. And we knew that even if this situation only lasted a few weeks, as we were told in the beginning, that it was two weeks, everything will be fine in two weeks, <laughs> it was still going to have a massive effect on the wedding industry, simply because like once you've moved a wedding, that's it. Once a, a place, something's canceled, that's it. It's not like a bookstore where you can just open your doors again and people will come back and then you just, you'll make that money back because people will just wait the three weeks to get their books. This is something completely different. And my entire calendar was wiped out. And it was the same with everybody else in the wedding industry. I'm lucky that when people cancel everything, I'm the last vendor standing. So <laughs> my husband, my husband calls me the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company because I'm like the last boat, <laughs> the only boat that survived. Because when people got rid of their flowers and their caterers and the venue and the photography, everything else, they still needed me if they actually wanted to get married. So I was fortunate that way. But I was in March thinking I might not get paid this year. What, what is this going to do? And I'm fortunate that my household doesn't really strongly rely on my income as an officiant because my husband also works. So he keeps us afloat. But still, it was like as a business person, watching your business kind of vanish. That's really stressful. <laughs> and there, there are vendors that just don't exist anymore because they didn't survive 2020 and they couldn't keep their doors open. And where I live, we can't do cyber weddings. Like I know New York State allows that and a few other places do. But Canada has very strict marriage laws. And in Ontario, where I am, you have to have five people present to have a legal marriage ceremony. So there was no pivoting. Everyone just said, just pivot. I'm like, to what? <laughs> there was nowhere to go in the wedding industry. And it was hard. And people weren't fighting for the wedding industry. So I became really loud. My MPP knows who I am. <laughs> he takes my calls. And there was a lot of conversations about how are we going to save the wedding industry. So it was, it was just crazy. I really did my best to try to keep the stress out of my family life because I work from home so it can easily become a part of my everyday life. There's no cutoff. There's no walking away from it. And my office and work did, it, did not shut down. But my husband and son basically moved into my office. <laughs> so, so that was stressing me out on top of the stress of what was going on, plus all the uncertainty. It was, there was a lot to process. And we just, we did our best. Fortunately, my son is quite the homebody. So he lasted about five months before he started to feel bored. I think that's a pretty good record. <laughs> you know? And he, he started to want to do other things and see other people. And he enjoyed the slow pace of our life it, during the pandemic and the lockdown. In, in astrology, he's a Taurus. So homebody types, just give him a blanket and some food, he'll be fine. <laughs> and for anybody who knows human design, he's a manifester. So this was his dream life, uh, sitting at home, playing video games, no one bugging him, like that was great. 
And some of his extracurriculars were affected. So that did make him a bit sad, like his gamer club and stuff like that. But everything moved online. So that worked out well. And so I kind of took my cues from him and decided to just act like nothing's wrong. And I thought, if I just pretend nothing, like the queen of denial, <laughs> I just pretend nothing's wrong in my business, in my home, in my family. And we just lived our days like it was summer vacation. And I posted every day, like everything was fine. I just kept posting wedding pictures, kept talking about booking weddings. I just sort of went, okay, in 2021 and things like that. I shared all the information I could get my hands on from the government as it came out. And as it applied to my work and the wedding industry, because sometimes there'll be like the big announcement that comes. But then for my industry, there's like one line that speaks specifically to my industry. And so I just applied it all and the people responded so well. My business grew so much from this. Like this was, as much as it was the most stressful year, and it still is, it was such a gift that I could give my couples and my followers and the people who watch me so much information and to be seen as an expert and an authority in how to get married in during COVID was absolutely wild. And in fact, someone sent me a letter. So our MPP was sending letters to people when if they asked about, can my daughter or son get married, blah, 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 blah. There was sort of a, an auto letter that went out, like that was a preformed letter with all the information they would need. And so I had received that letter from my MPP and someone came to me with the same letter that had not booked me and said that their son was getting married and wanted to know if I could verify any of the information in this letter from our MPP. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, it's from the MPP. That's the information. And she said, well, you seem to know a lot more than he does. So I thought I'd better verify this with you. So without even knowing it, I became more of an expert than the government <laughs> and more of an authority. People trusted me more than they trusted the person I was getting my information from. So that was hilarious. And uh, we've had a good laugh over that. But it really it, it was has been such a, an interesting time. But the way that I handled things and just kept moving forward, it really gave couples a lot of confidence in me because a lot of officiants, they just went black. They just turned, shut their, their curtains, turned off their social media and was like, well, I can't work. So that's me done. And I thought, well, weddings are going to come back. And we know weddings are a long game because you're the work you do today, you get paid for in a year. So I was like, well, we just got to keep going and keep making people feel good about this experience. So I just I just kept letting people know I would survive this and that I would be able to help them. And I really got a lot of street cred from that. A lot of people talk about that. And it's, it's got me on local news and the Toronto stations and things like that talking about it. So it's, that has actually been an amazing experience just business-wise. And other than that, I just kept finding ways to improve our life. We, we had all this time to you know, read books and started walking 90 minutes a day and getting lots of fresh air. I took lots of courses, 
signed up for every masterclass I could. I thought if I'm, if I can't improve my business, I'm going to improve myself and met lots of really cool coaches. And I was knitting for my mental health and ended up donating like baby hats to the local hospital. And I found ways of hanging out with friends Even though everything was shut down, we had picnics in the parks, tailgate drinkies and parking lots, you know what I mean? And just worked really hard to keep the human connections alive. And we've learned so much about how important that is, that just just sitting with a human is so important and and who we sit with, because when we're so limited on who, how much time we can spend with another person, you get very selective about that, right? I'm also a big fan of crystals. I, ha- I love my crystals, my essential oils. I really believe in the power of aromatherapy and the vibrational fields of certain things. So I was using them all the time to stay calm and grounded and uplifted. And it's like one of those things that you plug in the oil or you just hold the crystal and the next thing, oh, I kind of feel a little better. <laughs> like they actually sort of work so subtly. And I think Most importantly, I didn't fight what was going on. And years ago, I learned how important it is to just sit in acceptance of the things that that we, we can't do anything about, because then we'll just make ourselves more miserable if we don't. So it sucked that COVID wiped out weddings in a matter of weeks, but fighting it and clinging to what could, should, or would have been really was only going to make things so much worse emotionally. And so I just had to accept what happened and figure out how to come out the other side. Like, who was I going to be in a year or in two years on the other side of this? And I think a lot of people maybe don't, they don't connect like circumstantial depression. And I'm not talking about like chronic depression where this is like a, like a, a big health issue, a chemical issue, but the circumstantial depression where we were all lying on the couch. But I mean, we're just, the things that are happening currently around us are bringing us down. And that comes from the belief that things we should, that things should be different, that other than how they should be. So accepting that and moving forward with that mindset is so important. And I know we could all be spending a ton of time crying about what should have happened in 2020, but that's not going to get us anywhere, right? So when I'm talking about acceptance, I'm not talking about watching dangerous or abusive things happening, but it's about transcending the desire to change things that just cannot be changed. And there's a fantastic book about this that saved my life years ago. And I highly recommend listening to the audio. So if your audience wants to, <laughs> wants to search for this, it's called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And she's famous for this book. And I know she has changed hundreds of thousands of lives around the world. And the reason I say listen to the audio of it is because it has so much more. And so when she does, when she goes from city to city and then you buy your ticket and go and she does her coaching, that's included in the audio version of the book. So you actually hear her go through the process of acceptance with people. And it's really fascinating. And I listened to that during a time of huge change and upheaval and drama in my life. And like I said, it saved my life. It really, really did. So when I find myself where I'm in getting depressed or angry or upset, 
about how things are going because they're not going my way. <laughs> like, why would I be upset otherwise? <clears throat> I go back to loving what is and reframe what's going on so I can accept them and not emotionally fight them. And that's, I just applied all of that and we got through it. <laughs> We're, here we are. Here we are in lockdown again. <laughs> right? I yeah. know. I know it It continues. I remain hopeful, but I really appreciate you sharing your perspective and some of the strategies that really helped both you and your family remain positive and forward thinking in such a difficult, difficult time and to provide that sense of calmness and communication. Cause I think information is a big piece, a lack of information and that uncertainty can cause a lot of anxiety. So it's so interesting that people would come for you looking for that calm and that information and that reassurance and that communication piece as well. Yeah. And, and I don't want to make, sorry, I don't want to make it sound like it was easy. It, oh, was, no. <laughs> it was a struggle. Every day was a struggle to do every single thing and try to keep it all together. So as much as I can sit here a year later and talk about it almost like so flippantly, it, it was hard. Like every mom out there, every person out there had to fight every day just to stay afloat in this in emotionally, mentally, intellectually. So I don't, I don't disregard that in any way at all. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that as well. Cause it, it, it has been hard and there's been some particularly hard moments and we've all experienced this obviously in our, in our own ways. But I think the advice you share is so helpful because it can be easy to focus on what we don't have versus on what's possible. And sometimes just even that reminder can be helpful when we're feeling sort of stuck in a particular moment. Yeah, and, it's, and it's okay to be sad. Yes, absolutely. Be sad, sit in that. Yes. Sit, enjoy it, wallow in it, just don't get stuck in it. Yeah, not to be hard. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious as well, just with your perspective and with the approach that you've taken, what does success in your work life and family life mean to you? And I know people have various definitions of what success means to them. And then I'm curious if your definition of success changed for you at all as a result of the challenges that you experienced this year. So this is such a, like, I, and I know what you mean, like success, everybody thinks success is something different. Like if you asked a hundred women to name one word that means success to them, you'll get a hundred words. <laughs> you know? so, so I think this is just such a great question for me, as long as everyone in my family is happy and content, I'm calling it a success. Everything else is a luxury, nice things and dinners out and trips and all that stuff. Those are luxuries. If you can be happy in yourself and, and I mean me and my family and our little pod that we have. If, if we're content and we're having a good day, that's a success. And that's all that really matters because we have everything we need. We have a great life. There's so much potential waiting for us on the other side of this. So anything I could ask for is a bonus. And that just all boils down to gratitude. I think when we have the mindset that we have enough, then we can sit in gratitude and we can still desire more. But when we, when we realize that we do have enough, then we really can change ourselves on the inside. And we went through last year as a family, we got closer, tighter. We learned a lot more about each other. And 
My husband and I, we got to spend a really important year with my son because he was here all the time. In six months, he was home and he was home for another month at Christmas time. And so we got to watch So He's 12. So that's like a really important time in a child's life. And we got to watch him grow through that and become more of who he is and expand as a person. So that's been really amazing. And the, the success is that I got to be and be with him every day instead of teachers getting to watch that every day. <laughs> and I'm always striving to improve. We're here to evolve. I mean, we're not here to just stay the same. So anything that I can add to our life, to business, relationships, friendships, to make them better, I always call a success. If one little step forward is a success. And I don't know that it's changed. I don't know if my definition of success has changed as much as it has expanded. And in business, it used to be just about the numbers and how much money did I make and how many weddings did I book and how many weddings do I have next year, whatever. But the way the last year has unfolded, I've added how I feel about it to my markers for success. So before COVID, my business was really easy. It ran like clockwork. I didn't have to think that much about it. And I always said I had the Midas touch with my wedding business, but that's, that's only because I was doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. When you're in alignment with your calling and your passions, you are good at it. it just, it's easy, right? In, in Buddhism, there's uh, one of the spiritual laws, which is the, the law of least effort. When you're on the right path, it's easy. You don't have to put that much effort into it. And so I was just, I just stayed in alignment with what I was doing and the energy I have about it. People could feel it. They could feel it in my posts and in my emails and things like that in my blog, my podcast, all those things, because what it was doing was really lighting me up and I was excited about it. And people want to hire people who are excited about what they do. So in the last year, I've learned it feels really good to book a lot of weddings. It feels really good to make a lot of money, but it also feels incredible to be seen as an industry expert, to be on Toronto News, giving my expert opinions on how couples can get through this, it feels amazing when couples hire me to guide them through this and through the, the wedding coaching and things like that, because people have no clue how to do this. And you know, people are getting married for the first time, so they don't even know how to plan a wedding. And now they're trying to plan a wedding where the laws change every five minutes. So it feels really good to be able to help people. And, and it's a powerful feeling. The, the relationships that have come out of the last year, just they can't even be compared. And it's all because I just kept swimming and I accepted after a hot minute, what was going on. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, I just said, okay, this is how it is. No, I fought it for a while. I, I, I sat in my misery for a little while, but I just, I, I got there and I didn't try to recreate something. I didn't try to pivot. I just kept being a steady force. People could cling to me and they saw me as hope that everything would be okay. And it wasn't intentional. But about halfway through the COVID experience, I realized that I had accomplished and decided that would be the cornerstone of my success from now on, because it feels really good. And the feelings that grew out of this, like they just can't be counted like money or weddings or whatever metrics people use, but they're so important. And I've started incorporating this, like how I want to feel into my business and my life and my family.
So I want to feel good. I want to be happy. I want to feel important. All the things that we want, those are things that I tend to strive for more now. I still want, of course, want the metrics and the numbers to be high and everything, but how I feel is is the non-tangible things have become much more important. The wedding video company that filmed the ceremony I did last year used my reading of the Amber Spyglass as the voiceover for one of their promo videos. And I made no money from that. I got like, what do you mean? But wow, I felt really good. <laughs> that felt amazing. I, like I cried when I watched the video and I was so touched and so honored that of all the officiants they have worked with, they chose me. That can't be measured. That that can't that that's not a metric. But that felt really good. And like I think about how it feels when I finish a ceremony, and I'm saying goodbye to everyone, and they're all telling me what a great job I did. And the photographer tells me they're getting married, and they'll be in touch to book me because they loved me so much. Like that's that's huge, and that feels so amazing. And that that's just where I'm focusing now. My success is like, is more focused on how do I feel about this as opposed to how can I count up my success? That I really like that perspective. And I think, I think a lot of us are really connecting with our feelings around things because time looks so different and what we're able to do and not do has changed so much And we're really resonating with and connecting with those things that make us feel full and fulfilled and connected with people. And that's, I really enjoyed hearing your perspective on that. Now, I am curious because when I got married a while back, (laughs) it looked more traditional, I'm sure, in the sense of a wedding. I wasn't in the midst of a pandemic. So, In general, rites of passage during this pandemic have had to change and pivot in so many ways. Graduation. So we have three kids and our son finished grade six in June as well. So his grade six graduation, if you'd call it that, didn't look the same. And birthdays have looked very different for our family and for people that we know. And then weddings. So I'm curious as to what new approaches are helping couples celebrate this special day in a meaningful way in light of the restrictions and health protocols? What are some of the ways people are doing that now? Well, to start, I feel for your son because my son graduated grade six and got nothing. (laughs) You know know what I mean? Like all the, I feel that I felt that so deep when you were talking about that, the end of your trip and the, the graduation and everything. So yeah, I feel that. And that's what we forget. Sometimes the kids lost a lot. They lost a lot. So adults could keep going to work. So I think we need to, (laughs) we need to honor that. We need to, we need to all go hug our kids now and, and honor that and, and thank them for the things they've sacrificed so that we can keep going. And because they missed their friends, they missed a lot. So totally not on the topic of the question you asked, but while we're talking about our babies. <laughs> I know, I know it's been yeah. tough for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I really love this question because I've seen so many incredible couples who were determined to get married and they came up with amazing plans, just 
they blew me away in 2020. They wanted to get married in a way that feels good and includes their loved ones. That's all we want. That's the whole point of what we do. And at the start of COVID, I actually wasn't allowed to perform any marriage ceremonies for two months because the organization that holds my license said no no weddings and nobody was doing weddings. Like everything was really, truly shut down. And it was fine because it was March and April and that's not a big wedding season here in Southern Ontario. And I'm like, I'm sure there's lots of parts of Canada where it's not wedding season. The places like down South, they have a year round wedding season, but we don't, we have a short one. And it's, it's March and April is usually snowing and it's sloppy and, and kind of gross. So people don't get married then. But when I was allowed to do weddings starting in May, we were allowed five people. Five. (laughs) That's not a lot of people. And that's me, including me and the couple and two witnesses. And often couples were having their photographer be a witness so they could still get pictures. And this is when we learned who really wanted to get married. And... I came up with a plan to help couples who had to cancel everything. And one of the first weddings I did in 2020 was in the couple's backyard. And they had come to me about a month earlier. They explained that they had planned a Jamaica wedding, but it was canceled. And then they tried to get married in a pop-up wedding. And that was canceled because every day the laws were changing right at the very beginning. So the numbers kept being bounced around everywhere. And at that point, all they had left was a burning desire to get married and a sliver of hope. <laughs> and they clung to that, that tiny little bit of hope. And they really hoped that I could help them. And they had their wedding outfits. They just needed a wedding. They just needed someone who knew because they had a destination wedding. So they ha- it's not like they had planned a wedding here and knew what to do and could just go back to those vendors. They, they didn't even know who the vendors were. So they decorated their backyard. They did everything I told them to do. They decorated their backyard. They hung their twinkly lights. They had their Zoomed loved ones there. We had it all set up with mics and speakers and everything. And it worked out really well. And I got them a cake. I got their flowers. We got their ceremony ready. And they had their photographer as their fifth person. And it worked out really well. And the next day she found out she was pregnant. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, it was perfect. And I'm, it's so funny because so many of my 2020 brides are pregnant that I'm like, I should just be like a fertility expert now. <laughs> like just get married by me or book a wedding with me and be pregnant in no time. You know? And so then after that, the laws kept changing. And for a lot of the 2020 season, we were allowed 100 people at weddings. So while people were allowed like 10 at home, we were allowed 100. And there were some restrictions, of course. But for a long time, we were allowed to have like, quote unquote, normal feeling weddings. So that was nice while it lasted. (laughs) And then on, I remember it was September 19th because I had a full day of weddings. It was the busiest wedding day of the year. And I was driving from city to city to city, doing wedding after wedding after wedding. And at the first wedding, the event manager pulled me aside right before I got in my car. And she said, you might want to check the news. The the government just cut wedding numbers. And I was like, what? Because it was a Saturday and they don't, they normally do that on like Monday or Friday. And so it's like Monday, you get the announcement and Friday, 
you get another announcement, but never on a Saturday. That's so weird, right? And so I just, I did what I do and I pretended I nothing was wrong. <laughs> Go back to the first question. Nothing's wrong. Everything's just fine. And so I just didn't, ch- I just pretended I knew nothing about it because I thought no cop is going to show up at a wedding in the middle of rural Ontario and start handing out fines to people. But I did hear that there were weddings taking place in backyards and neighbors were calling the police. So that's, that's how things were looking. And that really, again, had a profound effect on wedding vendors. Because imagine you think you're feeding 100 people in six days and then boom, you're allowed to feed 25 that's huge. So a lot of things are being canceled. Again, photographers are being canceled, everything. And it was just such a mess. And it stayed that way right to the end of the year. So all my weddings from then on were tiny, lots of Zoom, lots of pictures, lots of video. People, people who were just determined like that for them, getting married was more important than a wedding. And kudos to my couples who have held out (laughs) for the wedding and for the big party, because I can't wait. (laughs) I absolutely can't wait to drink too much champagne at those weddings and dance all night long because we've, we've all learned what's important and just feeling good, having a good time and getting married in a way that feels right in a way that feels good. That's what we have learned. And that's, that's how we've adapted to this. And in fact, Last year, I did more weddings than I ever have in my entire career. So I think that really showed us what people realized is important. And a lot of people told me that they had never thought about getting married, but realized through this that, yeah, they want to get married. So love won in 2020. <laughs> well, that's, that is a nice thing. And yes, it was just the rules have been changing so much and so frequently and so fast. And it makes, makes it difficult to plan and then you kind of get your hopes up and then things change and you have to adapt so quickly. And that's been so tough. So it's nice to hear that there were many couples that were able to celebrate their special day in a way that they felt good about, even if it looked different than we might expect for your typical (laughs) wedding. One of the things I saw that was really interesting is that well, not everybody, many, many, many brides were wearing vintage dresses because they had to go and find a dress where in whatever way they could, because they couldn't get the dresses because they were stuck on ships that couldn't get into the country from overseas. So suddenly we were seeing everybody wearing these very unique vintage dresses, lots of vintage bridesmaids, lots of vintage colors. It was fantastic. It was really cool. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, it, it really, the effect and the other ways that it would sort of influence what your wedding look like, looks like. I wouldn't even have thought about the dress piece, but that would very much make sense because yeah, those things you have to order so far in advance. <laughs> they <laughs> take a while. dresses still on ships right now. I bet, I bet. Oh my goodness. Now, I wanted to circle back because we were chatting about our kids. So you have a 12-year-old son, I have a 12-year-old, and then also we have a 14-year-old and a nine-year-old as well. And as parents, we've navigated and continue to navigate these challenging times, and our kids do as well. 
And as we were saying, they've experienced so many changes and so much uncertainty and they're just not able to do a lot of the things that were part of their normal day-to-day life in the in the past. And I would say overall for our family, our kids are actually doing okay. And as I'm listening to you speak about you kind of move forward and keep trying to keep things positive and focus on what you can do and all those things, I think that's been really helpful for us as well. Not to say that there have not been moments for sure where our kids really feel those things that they're missing. Like time with friends looks different right now and having to wear masks at school, though they seem to be okay with that. And we're happy that right now they are at school and they they enjoy being able to have that piece of normal for sure. But I'm curious, just in general, You've shared some of this, but what has this experience been like for you and your family in sort of when those challenging moments arise? How how have you kind of worked through those or how have you managed to keep things positive for the most part for yourself and your family? Yeah, it's not easy, is it? No. <laughs> yeah, because it's not like we, I think probably the thing that society maybe doesn't remember is that as women and moms we're not getting the space right now to process our emotions in a way I had this I had it out with my husband the other night when I was just having a really bad day and I just needed to cry but I could there was nowhere to cry they find me everywhere I go and I just needed to sit alone for an hour and cry and get it out and he thought I was upset with him and you know oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) these are the things that go on in the UN household. (laughs) But yeah, like just like those things that go on and I see the struggle. I see it on Facebook. I see it on Instagram. And honestly, I don't know how some people are doing it. Like parents are trying to, I'm lucky. I don't work full time. My business does not require me to work full time. If I grew my business bigger, it would, but at this moment in time, I, I don't have to. So I can devote a lot of my life to my home and my child. But there are the parents who do have to work full time and have to do it from home with children who are doing school from home and they're small and they can't manage themselves. And like I, there should be medals for parents after this. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot who should be nominated for an award for staying sane through all of this and not and not just giving up because it's it would be easy to just snap and start screaming at kids and screaming at teachers and screaming at the government and everything else but I'm really fortunate that my son is easygoing he's very adaptable he's a homebody so this is living the dream for him (laughs) he was like yes six months off And uh, he's always been a really easy child, which is why I have just one, because I knew (laughs) I knew the second one would be the wild child. And I was too old for that. I was too old and too tired for that because I was uh, what they called a a geriatric mommy. I was 37 when I had him. And apparently that that makes me old. So I just, and now I'm like knocking on 50 with a 13 year old coming up in my house. So yeah, things you think about when you're, when you cross a certain point in your life. So I just had one and for him, as long as there's snacks, he just goes with the flow. He's, he knows that someday soon we'll be back to normal and 
we'll be able to go out to dinner again and we'll be able to go to the movies and get tickets to theater and concerts and things like that. All like, those are all the things that we love to do as a family, like the four of us, including my father-in-law. We know that this is coming back. We know we'll get to do these things again, but for him, the most important things are home and his family. So he has not really been negatively affected in the last year. He misses doing fun things like hanging out with his friends and going to his gamer club and things like that. We've got all the technology and he gets to stay connected with his friends. And I hear him, he's online every day with his gaming friends and they chat, they collaborate, they have little parties and they're having a great time with this and they're doing something they love. And I see it. I see how happy he is when they're doing this. So I'm just holding out hope that someday soon, They'll be able to gather with their laptops somewhere and use the library Wi-Fi or something and game game in person and do these things. And his music lessons have carried on because of Zoom. Thank goodness for Zoom. And his teachers, they've all got to learn all this too. They've, they've had an amazing opportunity to, to learn this. So he still gets his music lessons. And we've all had these transferable skills thrust upon us, <laughs> whether we wanted them or not. And as I said, my father-in-law lives just two minutes away and my son and my father-in-law are very close. So they can see each other all the time. And the only thing he doesn't do, he doesn't go to the shops. He doesn't drive and anymore. And so we do that, but we, we see each other all the time. And my husband's been working from home a lot. When he needs to be physically at work, he does that. He goes, but I'm going to admit I'm the one who's most affected. <laughs> Like I would, I got nothing. My, my son thinks this is the greatest life and he's thriving. And my husband's like, okay, whatever. And normally I would be able to take with everybody home. I could just take my laptop and my office supplies and go to the library or a cafe for a change of scenery. And we can't do that because everything's closed right now. And even when things were open, you would only be allowed in the library for 45 minutes because they didn't want too many people in the library and things like that. Same with cafes. Here we are. It's Groundhog Day, which is really funny <laughs> because every day just feels like the same day over and over. I don't even need Groundhog Day. <laughs> so January felt like a really long year. And here we are, hopefully sort of getting to the other side of it. it it's still hard. I think what, we, what I'm finding hardest and probably what a lot of people are finding hard but maybe can't identify yet is that Yes, right now is really hard, but there's nothing to look forward to. What I mean, like every year in the winter, it's like, oh, winter's hard, winter's hard, winter's hard. But we can, we've got our vacation planned or we've got tickets to this planned or like whatever thing you've got going that's going to be coming up so you can look forward to that. And I think things are really bleak when there's nothing to look forward to. And that we've like concrete that we're like on this date, we're going to do this thing. And it's not going to get canceled 17 times, you know, as so many things have. So I admit that my mental health has taken a beating. And I, I love having my son home. I love having my husband home. But at the same time, as I, I was saying, like, I have no space to cry. Like, I don't, I don't have that alone time that I'm used to having. I haven't been alone since December 18th. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot it's, of togetherness. Yes. Oh, yeah. A lot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No one should be together this much. <laughs> yeah. 
It can be challenging. And I appreciate uh, you sharing that because I think you're right. It's been really hard. And I think it has been really hard on moms and dads. But I think for a lot of moms in in particular, I think more often than not, it's the moms who are at home with the kids and trying to get work done. Or in some cases, dad is now home and now there's an additional person (laughs) kind of making it harder to get that alone time or that space or kind of manage the busy juggle that motherhood is in itself. And then with work as well, it uh, adds a whole new dimension. And with this podcast, a big piece of it is just keeping things real because the juggle is an adventure, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm wondering if you have a mummy mess up or something that you would be willing to share. Mm-hmm. So maybe a mistake, something you wished you had done differently or a learning opportunity that you've had as a mom. This is such a good question. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I think it's something that we really need to talk about more in the mommy world. And like, I'm on social media all the time. My business, my main The main way I get my clients and my couples is through social media. And I actually love social media. I love the social aspect of it. And and like we were talking about earlier, unmet friends. Like I have thousands of unmet friends on social media. Anything I want to talk about, there's someone I can talk to. But what we also see is all the perfection. And like, I'm sure the moms I'm talking about, that they've got seven kids and their kids are all perfect and clean. And their homes are perfect and clean and the moms have perfect hair and perfect makeup and perfect lives. And I bet that affects a lot of moms. Like I don't get worked up about it and I'm sure it affects some dads too, but this is a conversation about moms, but let's not forget the dads in this too, because the dads are working hard as well. But I don't think that dads compare themselves the way that women do and the way moms do. And I think that if that's all you're seeing in your feeds all the time, that could really, really make some women feel like they're not doing this really well. I don't always uh, get dressed every day. Some days it's a pajama day and I'm just, we're going to plow through in our jammies and we're not going to waste time getting dressed and looking perfect. And I think this really leads to comparison culture because it's so strong these days. And we need to remember that a lot of these mommy bloggers and influencers it's staged for show. They've probably live in chaos the rest of the time, but they managed to get everybody to look at the camera, be clean for five minutes and get the picture. And that's what we see. We're not seeing the rest of it. We're not seeing the real story. And I, I think these women are just like the rest of us the rest of the time. But when they're doing a paid ad for something that they're getting paid, like if I was getting paid to keep my child clean and keep my house clean, I'd be more enthusiastic about it. <laughs> but they probably live in chaos just the rest of the time, like, like all of us. And it would be nice to see more conversations about the real struggles we have as moms, especially right now when like so many places, like, like I know here, we're not supposed to mix households. And so if you count on grandparents helping with your children and now you can't do that anymore the moms are the ones keeping it together in so many households and the moms are sacrificing in so many households I was reading something in the star or the Huffington Post they were saying talking about all the women who've had to leave their jobs to stay home with the children and men are still continuing to go to work so they've had to give up part of their life part of their identity in this and I think we need to see the struggles that people are going through and the authenticity of that. 
And we're trying to be full-time parents. We're trying to keep food on the table, running our households a lot, working full-time. And on top of the stress of living in a pandemic. And no one, no one will be perfect at this time. That mommy blogger, she was perfect for five minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? That photo on Instagram, they, that was perfect for five minutes. And then the house was a mess and the kids were all like dirty again and eating butter out of the fridge and all the things that kids do, right? So our stress response is currently screaming the loudest right now. And we're not parenting under normal circumstances. And I, I don't think that I have messed up any more or any less than any other mom out there. I just don't hang on to these things. I don't drag my mess ups with me. I leave today in today and move on. And of course I've yelled at my son. I probably swear too much in front of him. <laughs> and I've I've forgotten to pick him up at school a couple times, like all the things that we do as moms, because we're human, we're fallible. And we need to allow grace into our lives and forgive ourselves for the mistakes we've made. So to answer your real question, sure, I've messed up. I don't like, I haven't like dropped my kid on his head or nothing major, nothing memorable, just the usual everyday things that we as moms do that I'm sure our kids will remember when they pick our nursing homes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it'll come back. We could beat ourselves up all day for not being the perfect mom, but that's not going to help anybody. It's not going to help us. It's not going to help our kids. And so when I do mess up, I apologize. We talk it out. We let it go. And I treat my son the same way. When he messes up, we talk about it. He apologizes and we let it go. And we don't drag it with us. And of course, there's times we have to go on redemption tours. <laughs> We've all had one or two in our lives. And we do have to sometimes make up for the things that, that a solid story just might not cover. So we do have to, you know, think about our behavior and change some behavior and really make an effort in some ways. That happens sometimes. But I think for the little things like, I'm sorry, I forgot to pick you up from school today. I'm sorry I was five minutes late, but I'm here. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm sorry. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think I think just talking it out and listening to how your kids feel is important too. I think the biggest mess up is not honoring your child's feelings. I think that's probably the most damaging thing any parent can do. So regardless of everything, if you apologize to your kid, your kid's not going to hold it against you. They're the kids are the most resilient, forgiving little things. <laughs> they're so, they're such lovely humans. I mess up every day. I absolutely, we all do. I think we all do. And my son thinks I'm the best mom in the world. So I might be getting a couple things right. <laughs> but I think for anybody who's listening, just mess up, own it, say sorry, move on. That's, that's probably the best thing. And before we wrap things up, Avril, I'm just wondering if you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for the moms who are listening, who might be looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles. Yeah, I would say breathe. Just breathe. Inhale and exhale and keep alternating. Everything's going to be okay. Everything is, it always turns out okay not just because we're sitting in a pandemic, like, of course, everything will be okay after this, we'll get there eventually. But with our kids as well, even under normal circumstances. And I know, when I had a small child, when he was a baby, like, it doesn't feel like that when you're in the thick of things, 
it feels like it's never going to end. I thought I was never going to get a shower again. I thought I would never eat a meal in peace again. Suddenly now I'm like, where's my son? I haven't seen him in a few hours. (laughs) And like everything, it's a temporary situation. So just keep breathing. Just, Just give yourself some forgiveness. And I think it was... Was it Nora Ephron who talked about juggling the balls? We all have balls to juggle. (laughs) And some of them are glass and some of them are plastic. And if you drop a plastic ball, it'll like bounce and roll away and you can go get it later. And the earth will keep spinning. But then you have balls that are glass that when they drop, they'll shatter. So your plastic balls are like, I didn't get the kids in the bath today. They'll survive, right? They'll survive. But the things that that are the glass balls are like the things that just cannot be dropped. Like you can't forget to pick up your kids. You've got to have food in the fridge, paying the rent, paying the mortgage. These are the balls that can't be dropped because they will shatter and it will cause massive problems when they do. And because these things have ramifications and consequences. So the trick is to know which things in your life are plastic and which things are glass. And we're, as women I know, and I know I do it, you do it. Every woman I know, we're juggling all the balls and trying to keep the house clean and look good because of Instagram and be the perfect mother and the perfect friend and the perfect wife and the perfect daughter and all the things, all the people we have to be. And we really just need to give ourselves a break. So keep the glass balls in the air. And if a plastic ball falls, pick it up tomorrow. You'll be okay. Everything will be fine. All it boils down to is knowing your priorities and knowing your absolute musts. Make a list and let balls drop. And don't beat yourself up for it. Something I learned when I worked in the funeral industry is that every single one of us is walking around with a broken heart. And we're all grieving something or someone and believe me, we grieve all kinds of things, like every moving away, a change of jobs, like all kinds of things. And we're grieving so much right now with this pandemic and COVID and everything that's gone on. But once we realize this, that everybody's walking around with a broken heart, it's so easy to start treating people like they're buckling at the knees. And suddenly a lot of people make a lot more sense and because of this, I think it's really important that we lead with kindness and with love. How when you go to a funeral and everyone is so kind and gentle and caring and they offer support, the people who've been left behind are given the space and grace to feel everything they need to feel. Now, imagine if we did that every day with everyone we know, with everyone we encounter. And if we treated people with that sort of kindness, the kind of kindness that we offer people who are standing in a funeral home. Imagine if we treated ourselves with that kind of grace. If you need to pull back on your business to spend more time with your kids because you're struggling to do both, do that. Your business will be there for you and your kids will grow and do their thing with or without you. And you want them to do it with you. And if you can't get it together to post on Instagram, so what? Let it go. Try again tomorrow. And your audience probably won't even notice. No. Now, allow yourself the mental health days. Allow yourself to be less than perfect. And it's okay because our kids will remember the mom who took the day off to spend time with them. And our kids will learn from the mom who skipped cooking dinner and made them jam sandwiches for dinner. So there would be more time to snuggle. 
but those are the things. Let these things go. Like there's no rules. There's no nothing that must be done except paying the bills and making sure there's food. But I think our kids will really learn from the compassion we afford ourselves and it will make them better and make the world better. That is fantastic advice. Thank you so much. And Avril, thank you for sharing your time and all your words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and the work that you do, where are the best places to find you? My website is avrilewingofficient.com. I'm on Facebook, Avril Ewing Officiant, and I'm on Instagram as Avril underscore Ewing underscore officiant. I got to get rid of those underscores. <laughs> but if you just look for my name, you'll find it there. And then I'm, I'm also very responsive. So if people want to reach out and chat, I would love that. I love chats with people all over the world. So yeah, it'd be fun. And I just want to thank you so much for having me on today. It, I've had such a great time chatting about all these things with you. And you have been a bright spot on a bleak winter day here Aww. in Southern Ontario. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I so appreciate it. And I thank you very much for joining me and sharing your time with me today. And it was great to connect with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.